0: Howdy folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, We weren't supposed to do a show today, but things got rearranged because uh, the weather in the Northeast is not uh, cooperating with myself and Russ when it comes to baseball. I was supposed to go to traditionally I go to the Buffalo Bisons opening day uh, on and it was on Tuesday. They got rained out Then they had a doubleheader on Wednesday that got rained out and it's it rained all night. So, you know, they had a six game series against uh, who was it? Can't even remember who. It oh, well, against Worcester, and the whole series might get rained out because it just doesn't won't stop raining. And Russ, uh, the Mets opening day got rained out, so you're
1: here. It. I'll be there tomorrow. So let's talk about um, Craig Carton and and his uh, sources. Like we all have sources, all of us. And once in a while, I'll evoke it and post something on Twitter. And I know that my source is going to be like you know ninety nine percent correct. But the other day Craig Carton works with WFAN he posted that there's another team in on Aaron Rodgers and then it came then he, he lets it slide i guess that it's the 49ers yeah and there's no credence to it like the, nobody will nobody can corroborate it nobody can do anything with it um, and then even his own partner there's a video clip where his partner is kind of guessing that the Packers may have used him like somebody from the Packers organization, may have fed him that information. We don't even know if that's true. But my basic point here is, if you're gonna float something out there in the New York area about Aaron Rodgers and the biggest sport on the planet, you better be right, because otherwise it's gonna fall down on you. And right now it's falling down on him.
0: Well, Kev, I don't listen. I used to listen religiously to WFAN during the Mike and the Mad Dog days, but I no longer, and I, you know, the, them hiring Carton was basically my excuse to go go someplace else because he he was in Buffalo. He's sort of like the shock jock of he's sports. He's been everywhere. Golf. He's in Philly. He, yeah, he, he's it, but he's I just don't like his style, and uh, I've always you know questioned his, the 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 qu- quality and veracity of him as a as a sports talk show host. So I heard secondhand the stuff on another New York radio show about his rumor about, uh, about Rogers and San Francisco, and it's completely been refuted every place else. So the anatomy of a rumor and how it gets around is always interesting, but when it's based on nothing, it's just chatter. It's just talk.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I remember a conversation several years ago with Bob McKenzie and I were sitting around after a a game and we were talking about trade rumors and he was just shaking his head to the proliferation that, that it's occurred. Uh, probably in the last uh, 15 years. And and he goes, you know, most of the 97% of the rumors that uh, occur, um, you know, never come to pass. Uh, either they weren't good rumors to begin with or they simply didn't pan out. Like it's one thing for two teams to talk. There's always a lot of talk and a lot of chatter. Um, so is it possible that the 49ers inquired about Rodgers, baby? You know, yeah. maybe not. But you know they might have made it a call, but you know if that may, it may have stopped right there, you know, right after it happened. So and
1: the other the other reason he's getting a lot of blowback is apparently he called Adam Schefter, who's like the number one guy in the field, a mouthpiece for like the NFL and such. So I guess you know it that is. that's something else where he called him a
0: mouthpiece for even Aaron Rodgers. So when you work for ESPN, and I'm not casting aspersions on the, but ESPN carries the NFL, the NBA, the NHL major league baseball you're going to have commentators on there who get fed information from espn through or through the leagues through espn and they're the guys you know i'm sure that uh um, um uh, wojnarowski, Adrian wojnarowski does similar things in terms of getting sources from the nba from particular teams and putting it out there that they're they're a conduit it's like i i don't i, I don't understand that criticism
2: yeah no nor do i um <laughs> Are you done with that, Russ? Or? Yeah, I'm done with it. Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment. To This week is the Masters. And, um, you know, I'm I'm always reminded how old I'm getting just when you hear these little things in sports. And today, Tiger Woods teed off at number one, and he won his first Masters before um, the, one of the guys he's playing with was even born. Like, that's hard to believe to me. I mean, Tiger Woods does not feel old to me. Um you know he still feels like he's in middle age of his career but he's not you know he's uh you know near the end of it he's not all that far away from qualifying for the senior tour right so um but it is it is amazing and i find it uh just so fascinating that i you know i'm the my major interest in the masters is still what's tiger gonna do in it you know i i only saw not alone yeah no i tuned in this morning to see his first shot um you know he has trouble on that first hole he's played that he's minus 100 in his career at the masters uh and he's plus 18 on the first first hole uh-huh. <laughs> so uh you, you know if you if you tune in and you see the first hole you always kind of get a good sense of where tiger's at his game um and he parted you know he played it conservatively He's usually, and there's no rhyme or reason for what happens on one. He's He usually goes left or he goes right. He's only hit the fairway less than 50% of the time in his career. Um, but this time, he hit a fairway wood, hit it down the middle, actually out drove the two younger guys he played with, put it up on the green, knocked it within four foot, got a par and said, that's all I wanted. Just give me a par and get out of here. <laughs> you, know, you only got to play it three more times.
0: Yeah, I think it was, I think it was 97 when he won his first yeah so um yeah so that would make that's 26 years ago um i mean yeah everybody watches tiger there's a probably there's a dedicated group that is rooting for tiger and a dedicated group that wants tiger to fail i like um and uh like i i love mickelson i've always been a, a big fan of mickelson and i know that there's a special dynamic with the masters this year because i'm pretty sure that the live the live golfers, who won the masters or, uh, they're, they're still playing. And it'll be interesting to see like, if one of them is in contention, whether they'll get the same kind of coverage that like, uh, somebody like, uh, um, well, I mean, Dustin Johnson is, is a live golfer and McElroy is not so, so like if they're like in the final pairing, whether they'll show McElroy as much as Johnson or vice versa, that, that, that will be interesting to, to watch, but it's a, it, all I know is, Kev, it's going to be Easter Sunday, and my brother will, like, we're, the family's getting together for Easter Sunday dinner. He will be putting pressure on uh, my niece to put the Masters on TV because he'll want to watch it. And- yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at our holiday gatherings, we always put sports on, like, nobody's offended if we want to.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we do the same. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: just not that big. A deal.
1: It's like, listen, if you're coming over for like Thanksgiving
2: and right you don't
0: expect to see football, don't come over. Yeah, but when you have a four-year-old in the house, they want to, they want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants. So,
2: yeah, I don't, I don't know who's in charge of kids in your house, but in our house, the adults are in charge.
0: Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, it's not my he, house. Pretty it's standard
2: not, parenting in the Allen family. It,
0: it's not my house because <laughs> if it was, the you know the hockey game or golf would be on. Yes, All right. Right. as Michael Cohen points we, out, I'm a huge golfer. Yeah, yes, that's entirely I, my,
2: true. My my wife and I ran a, a sports uh, league for uh, many many years, and we were always disappointed that there were always um, more boys signed up than girls, and so we always would quiz the parents saying. You know why isn't your four-year-old daughter signed up for soccer? We had eight boys teams and only four girls teams, and she'd say she didn't want to play. And you know, my wife would say, you know, I in my house, I pretty much tell my kids what they're playing. Right. You know, you know and that's the way it is, especially at four. They don't even it's know what even they
1: or not. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They they've never played it before, so just sign them up and. You know what we my wife would always tell kids is you know when you're nine you make your own decisions before then i make your decisions so worked out fine you know my kids all took dance and piano and played in sports and you know some of them they all did different sports in high school but they tried them all that's for sure
0: all right let's get started here hello hockey world today is thursday april 6 2023 i'm russ cohen from sportsology kevin allen and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. I'm going to start with a trivia question here, and then I want to get into uh, Tampa Bay and the Rangers, because that was a really interesting game with ramifications going forward for the playoffs. Um, I just popped up on Reddit, and I saw this, and I thought this would, this would be an interesting little trivia question. Um, they list ten, the 10 players, or actually 11 players, with the worst these are active players with the worst plus minus uh for their for their careers. So active player, which active player has the worst plus minus uh of any player in the NHL actively currently? Boy, I have uh, two choices. I'll give I you got, I got
2: one too, yeah.
0: Okay, go ahead, Kev, you first. Oh,
2: I'm just gonna say Seth Jones because he's played with a bad some bad teams, but uh that's just a guess.
1: Russ. I'm torn between Tony D'Angelo and Shane Goss, the So I'm going to go Tony D'Angelo.
0: OK, um, none of them are on the are on the list.
1: Wow, uh, but More than one minus is most year there was one year. D'Angelo was a plus for the Rangers, but that was one year.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, Seth Jones is minus 73 in the last two years with the Blackhawks. But before <laughs> that, he was pretty much pretty much a plus player. Um, but Russ, you were right in one respect. It was two players who played for the team that you cover the most.
1: Oh, and the Flyers. So, or the Rangers.
0: Uh, it's probably the Flyers. But so I guess it's Van Reemsdijk. Nope, it's a defenseman. And he played most of his career with a team that has oh, missed, Ristalina. Rasmus Ristolainen, minus, yeah. minus 175.
2: Well, that's good. You you know you got to work at that like that. Yeah. You, know, you that you don't come by that by no. accident. You, you got to work.
0: Angelo's only a minus
1: sixteen, so he has gotten better in recent years. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll ask you to predict one more, then I'll give the rest of the list, and then we'll move on. Uh, the number two is a forward, which is which is an accomplishment because yes. usually, def, you know, defensemen are on the ice more often. Right. Uh, yeah,
1: there's
0: a minus sixty one, so he's in there. Yeah, you uh, in there. In there this forward has won two Stanley cups uh and has a rather unique record in terms of longevity in the NHL Jeez. he has played he has played for Boston Toronto Pittsburgh Arizona and Vegas mm, does that change my that changed it now uh Phil Kessel ah. Phil Kessel is minus 156.
2: Wow yeah again I repeat you got to work at that like that's, hard. that's that's hard yeah, yeah you you can't you know you don't come by that by accident
0: and, and the thing is that usually players who who score as often as Kessel has are, pl- are plus players but in ter- like in Toronto he was minus 34 his final year and in Arizona, in three years, he was minus 62. So, you know, he piled up. The years with the Leafs, when they were missing the playoffs, you know, you were going to be a negative because you were on the ice so much and they were behind and you needed to score. But, yeah, I just – so uh, on this list, uh, Sam Gagne is minus 137. Oh, I found the high one. Okay.
1: Eric Carlson.
0: Um, He's not on the list. He's minus 92. Yep, he's, he's he must be just on the outside here. Uh Kyle Oposo -136, Jack Johnson -134. Yeah. Jeff Skinner -132. Uh Oliver Ekman Larson. The rest are, uh, okay, Oliver Ekman Larson, Damon Severson, which is Yes, yeah, Severson is surprising. Ekman Larson is not. Jeff Petrie Eric Branson and Andreas Athenasiou so they're the they're all all over minus 100 or higher interesting okay um so Russ I watched uh intently the Tampa Bay Rangers game last night uh it was on TNT so uh and it was one of three games but that was the one uh, well it was not the one with the most consequence that was Calgary Winnipeg uh but this game I mean, Patrick Kane didn't play, um, and uh, Jacob Trouba got hurt early, and I didn't see yeah. what happened, so you have to tell us what the update is. But this was a really physical game against two teams that have a hate on for each other because they played each other in the Eastern Conference Final, and the Rangers ended up winning 6-3. to three. But the physical, the, the physicality of that game – was something that it was, you know, it was very playoff. Like there was definitely some, uh, ill feelings there. And I think it's a preview of what we're going to see from Tampa and from the Rangers in the playoffs. Yeah, no
1: question. Um, it was Corey Perry that got true, but, uh, there was all kinds of hits. I mean, Braden Schneider laid a big hit on, um, Oh, uh, uh, Paul so that was, he, he just crushed him. Uh, this was a game that wasn't for the faint of heart, but it also had a lot of skill. It it had everything. It had toughness. It had dirty play. It had good goalie play. I mean, Vasilevsky wasn't, like, at the top of his game, obviously, but he did make some big saves. But it shows the weaknesses in Tampa's defense. And so, you know, this is a game where, you know, Kev, I I, I told Mike, I said, the Leafs can't play like this. So if they play either one of those two teams, and that's what the series turns into, they're in trouble. Um, but I don't know if Tampa can go far in the playoffs playing like this either, because yeah. that's the thing they, you know, they they've got guys on their defense that just aren't great. And
0: yeah, when you're playing Darren Radish,
1: yeah, Darren Radish is a big guy. He's been on a lot of teams. It's Taylor's older brother, right? You know, they, these are guys that. You know, they're going to have to do what Chicago did and just roll with that top four and, and run them into the ground. But I don't know how far they can go with that.
0: Well, well, I
2: mean, I was just going to say that I think the reason why they made the trade with Nashville and brought in another physical um, player is, is I think they have an understanding that they're not the same team they were. Right. Um, and they're going to try to – skin the cat a different way and I think um it's pretty clear they're going to try to to bang people around but I'm totally with Russ on this A, I don't know they can sustain all that and I think their deficiencies are serious enough that you know even you know you still got to defend you and they've been good at that um and they're less good at that now so all the hitting in the world is not going to change the fact that uh, Vasileski is going to be under siege, particularly by the Maple Leafs, you know, who have the kind of offensive ability. So, you know, I think what we're, we're it's almost going to be like an unknown frontier for Tampa Bay. We've not seen them quite like this before. Right. Where they're struggling defensively. You know, they still have the exceptional goaltending. They've got a lot of talent up front, but, you know, they've never had to play like this. So it's really sort of unclear of how they'll do. But, um, you know, I. Uh, You know, I don't think they're one of the uh, uh, top two favorites like they've been in the past, that's for
0: sure. No, I mean, I've had Leaf fans sort of push back on some of the things that I've said on the Buzzcast or on Off the Post or the Leafs Convo, any of the podcasts that I do, or even in my columns about, you know, Tampa Bay and, you know, well, Tampa Bay is vulnerable. Okay, and they're more vulnerable than they were last year, no doubt. I'm not denying that. And I look at their defense – And, you know, you've got a top four of Sergachev, Cernak, Hedman, and Cole. Now, Cole, I think, is better suited as a 5'6". Then you've got Darren Radish and Nick Purbix. Okay, that's a vulnerability because they're going to have to ride four defensemen. And if you're a team that, you know, like Boston or the Rangers, you can wear down those four physically and force them to make mistakes. My assertion is that Toronto has very few players that can lay a hit on Hedman and wear Hedman down when he's going to play 30 minutes a night, probably in a playoff scenario or close to it, and make him make mistakes. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. He's a big physical presence. You know, Sergachev is good. Cernak is good. So, like, yes, there's a vulnerability, but a team has to be able to take advantage of that. And, Russ, you were saying, like, the Rangers were going to the front of the net Uh, I on starting to heat up, he you
1: know, he has 35 goals, which I said coming off of his, you know, what was it, 52 last year? I said, if he gets 35 40, that's what you want, and and he's and he's getting that more of them at even strength, by the way, because last year he had like 26 power play goals, this year only eight, yeah, so he's getting them more at even strength. He is going near the net, that's a good thing. And I gotta tell you again, Tyler Mott is like their John Madden, he really is. He had another goal last night. He was on fire last night. And
0: he laid he laid out Janot. That was a that was a phenomenal hit. But but well, McCann, I too. yeah, no, I mean, and they, see that's the thing, the Rangers, you know, Tampa Bay initiated the physicality. It was going to get physical one way or the other. But the Rangers had answers: Schneider and Mott and uh you know keandre yeah. they, they they have big physical guys who can respond the leafs have a few of them achari is somebody who initiates contact luke shen will be in the lineup in the playoffs he's a big physical guy leads the nhl in hits but i i don't know whether the leafs can punish tampa bay's defense and i don't know if they have guys who will go to the front of the net other than michael bunting and Achari, they really don't have guys that go to the front of the net and distract and that's where like, Toronto, if they're going to be successful against Tampa, they're going to have to use different methods to be well, able to. Trocek serve. punched Perry in the face in a fight, and I don't
1: think I've ever seen Trocheck fight.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Corey Perry brings that out in people. He
2: does. Yeah, and Matthews is a big guy. Like, he can take that. You know, I you know I remember during the glory years, the Red Wings, um, uh, Ken Holland would often talk about, you know, it's two kinds of toughness. There's the ability to, to to dish it out and to play gritty and be hard yeah. to play against, and then there are guys that just know how to take it and are just um, you know not bothered by all that. And the Red Wings were that team in the 1990s. Like right. they didn't care if you played physical, you know they could they could take it, uh, so they weren't really bothered by it. So you know the maybe it's going to have to be that. But I think here's the bottom line in all your discussions about. Like, the Maple Leafs are going to be favored in this series. I, I, there's no no doubt about it. Now, right. could Tampa Bay defeat them? Yeah, it's possible. But I think the probability is, is that the Maple Leafs will win. And I, I think that's probably the objection. You're you giving. can't say
0: that to Mike. Uh, well, I know. Start. I mean. But no, I, can, is, I can accept it from Kevin because there's no Eck curse. Because Kevin, Kevin is thinking about it thinking about it logically. Eck just says it to piss me off to predict yeah. the Leafs because he wants the Leafs to lose. We know that
2: yeah no and i you know and i think uh we all in in ourselves have this uh you know like i talked yesterday about i don't believe in jinxes but um you know but i'm cursed when it comes to my fantasy baseball team and injuries uh, you know it's it's silly but and you know mike has seen a lot of failures by the maple leafs and you know he kind of has that uh you know adolescent uh, uh belief that you know if, you know and if, if you you know, say that now is the time; it'll never happen. It's so.
0: not adolescent if it happens.
1: So, <laughs> here's yeah. here's a great post from Thomas Boyle. Um, the Islanders play Tampa tonight at UBS. If the Islanders lose tonight with Elliott and Goal Lambert should be fired on the spot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like, I yeah, I mean the Islanders got to win this game. So I I you yeah. know I mean this is a, a very important game, and I've defended their scoring just defended it in terms of I think you know lately they've done okay I you know they're, they're not they're not the Maple Leafs. Tampa's
1: and, not putting in
0: Vasilevsky like Elliot's gonna yeah. stay in that game regardless.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. so back to so, back
0: games you know with ta- ta- you know the magic number is two right now for Tampa so they're not they're unless it's a complete collapse they're not finishing any higher than third so they're gonna yeah. they're gonna play that they're gonna play Elliot and back to back.
2: Well, it is interesting, and I know we're going to talk about them. And maybe I'll just wait then, because uh, I wanted to talk about you know the Flames' decision to play Markstrom back to back as well. And uh, I'm sure that was shocking to Russ because he's not was. a big fan of uh, of Markstrom. But um, anyway, no,
1: he did okay last night. I
0: watched that game too.
2: Yeah, are we uh, done with the Rangers, or we got, yeah, more, we got more? The only
0: the only thing I want to ask Russ, and then okay. them to that game is is true uh, how serious was the injury day, day? day okay, okay. Yeah. continue so it's not serious and you
1: know Kane was just sitting out because you know he's banged up and old
2: <laughs> well the um uh, the reason I want to talk about Calgary uh and, and Winnipeg uh and it was a three to one Flames win if you didn't see it on NHL Network I did. um and it tied the uh playoff wild card race uh same number of points I believe it's 89. uh yes. yeah 89 points However, when it was over and there was amazing elation from the flames over this, uh, Manjapani just said, you know, we, we needed this game badly and they, you know, they were just thrilled by it. And Daryl Sutter had interesting comment, I thought, and I, I'm totally amused by it. And I even told Mike, it was a jello-esque uh, <laughs> you know, because it addressed games in hand, which is second only to injuries for Mike, like Mike that's true no that's a fact games in hand mike just thinks are everything um anyway and uh i didn't necessarily i wasn't too bothered by that but it was the second point that I'm, I'm with mike uh and et cetera on this and that is he what he said was is we're not in it yet because they got a game in hand and they have the tiebreaker right and he said look i get it's an important game because if we didn't win this game you know, we were in bad shape, but we're not in it yet because basically they got the tiebreaker and they got a game in hand. I'm less worried about the game, game in hand, but the tiebreaker is an important factor because essentially it is, is they still have a one-point lead because, uh, you know, if a tie is no good to them, if, if they both finish where they are now, the uh, the Winnipeg Jets get in because they have the tiebreaker. So
1: Yeah, I would um, think what I felt, Kev, was that they were very fortunate Calgary because – Those penalties could have killed them if if Winnipeg's power play was anything. Like there was a four minute double minor right out of the gate. Then there was another penalty a couple minutes later. Like they could have, that could have been disastrous if Winnipeg was anything with their power play. Now, I'll give Calgary's penalty kill credit. They definitely were good, but man, Winnipeg had to cash in on that.
0: Yeah. The the noted analytics uh, uh, person, Daryl Sutter, uh, is right in this respect. Money Puck has. Uh, winnipeg's percentage for playoffs at 62 percent, and calgary's at 31.8 and they're tied so yeah. the, the game in hand and it isn't
2: the game in hand it's the it, it's, it's
0: the it's the, it's the it, regulation wins they're 33 to 30 regulation overtime. Yeah. it's even worse so it's like um yeah they have to finish a point ahead they yeah
2: definitely- i thought about this this morning when i was doing this um the uh when you talk to a player about games in hand, they always say the same thing. Well, you got to win those games. That, that's what a player says. You know, you got to win them before we'll, we'll count them as being successful. And if you talk to management, they, they view it almost formulaic. Like, you know, again, I've talked about it before. They know that, you know, that you average one point, whatever it is, two or three per game. So if there's four games in hand, they see it as, well, that's like a 2.4. Uh, point advantage. And you know, they, they don't get too caught up in it, but that's kind of in their head. They sort of think, oh you we're behind, but it's just a couple of points. The way Mike views them is a game in hand is a victory. So, <laughs> right. so if you have five games in hand, they're ten points.
0: It's All the right. it's so. the only it's the only place where I have optimism. Yeah. 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 Except except yeah. for like when it came to the islanders because yeah. they had the Twelve games in hand, and they were twenty-five points behind, and I'm like, they're not making that up, and it was not because of the games in hand; it was because the team was not playing well. So, well,
2: yeah, the Islanders had five games in hand, and you or uh, or had played had played five games more, and you just said, you know, their their lead was going to dissipate because, but it never happened. Well, yeah. of-
1: I'm out something here. Yeah, uh, right. it's it's unrelated to hockey, but it's interesting. So, the Mets GM Billy Epler and Mister and Mrs. Met we're at the nasdaq today and it's still not raining if it doesn't thunderstorm soon this is going to be talked about for a very long time that they canceled an opening day and we haven't seen a raindrop yet and i'm not i'm i'm an hour and a half two hours away but still no rain yet it's supposed to happen maybe at two o'clock if it doesn't happen and they were goofing around at nasdaq
0: were they? Were they? Are they oh, announcing Mr. and Mrs. Met's honeymoon or something like that? Right? No, no they, they've been married for a while, Mike. This is oh. his second wife. Oh, oh, I, didn't, oh I didn't know
2: Mr. Met had been married before. Well,
1: so. here's—it's unclear. So maybe you could—you're—you're you're from a different generation, Kev. So you maybe can figure this one out. There was Mr. Met and there was Lady Met that was on the early penance. Now, was Lady Met just his woman on the side? And that's what, you know, they were like, I don't know. To, I to, yeah. I was to use kid. the
0: expression from Goodfellas, it was his kuma.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what we need to know, really. So yeah. it's yeah, first know. now, but I don't know.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. New York is always a little different. I mean, the yeah. you know, Yankees had the wife swapping, right. you know. Right. So. So,
0: Yes, and uh, and and uh, Lady Met had an affair with Gritty. Uh, so okay, <laughs> so right so right now in the West, uh, as as we were talking, Winnipeg and Calgary tied at eighty nine, Seattle at ninety four. Uh, so with you know Calgary with uh, four games remaining uh Winnipeg with five games remaining or sorry, w- w- Calgary with three games remaining, Winnipeg with four games remaining, Seattle with five games remaining. In, in a sense, uh, they're up five points, and they. I, I gotta stop you. I don't
1: want to ruin the, the momentum, but on Wikipedia, it said that Mrs. Met previously referred to as Lady Met, but the problem is if you look at this Mrs. Met, she doesn't have a gray hair, and she's obviously twenty years younger than him.
0: So- okay. Sure. Yeah so she had a facelift uh, a few other things I don't know. it's very fishy all right sorry
2: yeah. or did, did he just make an honest woman of her you know so
1: yeah but this can't be the same woman it's not yeah. if you look at the banner and you look at this one it's not the same woman
0: yeah so it's yeah, okay I'm not, right. not, I'm not I'm not I'm not, <laughs> not I'm not touching that one um okay interesting thing and they, they were they were talking about this on the on the uh, Rangers Tampa game last night about how Vasilevsky is now like, you know, he's on, he's focused, he's in playoff mode with about a week, week and a half to go. And, you know, we were talking on this show about uh, three, four weeks ago, how he just didn't look right. And the team didn't look right. And, you know, they're, they're, they're still not winning as much as we're normally used to Tampa Bay winning, but Vasilevsky seems on. And Kevin, it's like, I've discussed this before, but I think, you know, can a player of a certain level, just turn it on at that particular time. It's like, I mean, you, you, Patrick, you know, I was talking with Russ about Patrick Kane, and you know, he turned it on for like three or four games before the trade deadline and showed everybody that he was still Patrick Kane. And now he gets traded to the Rangers, and Russ is, you know, basically insinuating that he's playing at half speed and he's got some injuries. But I think that when Patrick Kane in game one of the playoffs against New Jersey, it's going to be the Patrick Kane we saw score a hat-trick against Toronto and not the guy who's lollygagging around. Yeah. This is a I don't know. That's a,
2: that's, a, that's a great question because I think it's a different question uh, than asking whether a team can turn it off. Enough. Right. Um, and I do think players do get excited. I've never believed in the salary drive per se. I often felt that was kind of more of momentum. You know, they get off to a good start and go on. And that's what I usually feel. But I do think players can rise up. We see it in injuries all the time. You know, they're hurt, they play through it. They get excited. Um, and they sort of ignore the pain. And then after about five or six games of that, the reality sets in and they start to feel the pain. Um, and then it gets a little worse. So, I think for a short period of time i think players can sort of rise up and play mm-hmm. through anything but i don't know that they can do it for an extended uh, uh deal if you are struggling and you know if you're a step slow and all that i think you know sooner or later it's going to catch up with you um yeah
0: well. i i think like russ if you remember dallas in that 2020 run uh in the bubble you know ben and Sagan and a couple other of their key players played through like horrific injuries. Like I mean, I know Sagan. I think he had to have a hip surgery, labrum surgery. He was out for like the first half of the of the next year. And and Ben, it took him a year to recover. Now he's back to where we normally expect Jordy or Jamie Ben to to play. But it's like, yeah, they can fight through those injuries, but at, at, you will feel the effects further on. True, no question about it. Yeah.
2: But even in everyday you know injuries are different now when you're under medical supervision like i you know this is an example but i was at the local grocery store and i ran into a teacher from the high school where my kids went to school and i i knew him because he was involved in the athletic programs and such and we were talking and he was saying he was going in for knee surgery
0: yeah
2: and uh he was having a knee replacement and i said wow I said, "Wow!" And I, and I know he was a workout guy. I said, "Boy, that, that must have really curtailed curtailed your your workout resume." He goes, "Oh no, I walked about five miles yesterday." <laughs> and I thought, "Well, why are you getting your knee replaced if you can still walk, walk five miles?" Right. I didn't I didn't ask him that, but I thought that. But I thought about it, and I thought, you know, that's the way of the medical world. No matter how bad of an injury you have, you know, with medical help. Right. you know you can exist that doesn't mean he didn't have any pain it just means he just kind of kind of worked through it so you know maybe
0: well, some of the stories that we hear in the play what was it the one year that patrice bergeron was playing in the playoffs with a punctured lung yeah uh, you know i mean i i mean i don't know if that you know if they would allow that to ha- i mean i definitely know that if bob bond was playing you know he he played on a broken leg and scored an overtime winner in 64 for the leafs over the red wings that probably you wouldn't be allowed to step on the ice with a broken leg. So, I mean, you know, or I uh, Willis, do you really think that Willis Reed would be allowed in the 2023 yeah, NBA Now, uh, Because, you know, Russ, they're worth too much money. They Their salaries are. are uh, I
1: still think they're done paying them in the playoffs and they want them to win championships too. If a player is going to be willing to do it, they're going to let them do it.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit with Russ, but I'm mostly with Mike on this. I, I think they're a lot more careful with athletes now because, you know, you hear the phrase all the time of, you know, we don't want any long-term damage. You know, we're going to be cautious here. So I think there's more, they're being a lot more careful. Although, you know, I think guys still try to do more than they should, um, you know. And we do know, uh, and this has been a problem for – the league and the players' association is that when it comes to concussion, players have their own uh attitudes about those. They they hate, you know, uh, they, they they do not want people telling them um how to play through concussions. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. That's definitely I mean, we've seen now.
0: That. Now um, tonight, there's a ton of games on the schedule. Uh, obviously, the one you I'll be. Games we should mention the Frozen borgs tonight. Oh no! Yeah, I'm, 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 I was going to get to that, Bryce. Yeah, I was I just. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to talk about the one question that I had that, we, um, was, uh, you know, Boston, Toronto is one of the, is the game I'll be focusing on and Boston obviously is locked up the president's trophy. And you would think, you know, they're obviously the favorite right now with the, this record breaking season, but Kev there, if you look at the record of president's trophy winning teams in terms of that translating to playoff success, Tampa won the president's trophy the year they got swept by Columbus. Uh, The leave, uh, the Sabres won the president's trophy. The, uh, I think it was 06 or 07. And they lost to Ottawa in in the, in the conference final. It doesn't really translate in terms of like, they're going to win the Stanley cup because obviously the regular season and the playoffs are two completely different things. Now I think Boston is the favorite to come out of the East because they've just been lights out, but it's not a guarantee based on what they've done in the regular season.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, they call it the second season for a reason and, uh, you know, regular season success does not always dictate playoff success. And, you know, I've always felt like, uh, and again, this speaks to the idea of, you know, if if you're playing well at the end of the regular season or if you're playing poorly, does it impact? I don't think it does, but what I think does impact it more than anything else is what happens in the first couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, for example, let's go back to that Tampa and Columbus. What happened in that? The blue Jacks were very difficult to play against. Yes. Um, and I think Tampa got into that and said, you know, we want 62 games, but nobody played against us like this. Like this is hard and this is going to be hard. And I think they there was a waning of the confidence there. They weren't sure there was self doubt. And it, you know, suddenly Columbus had all the momentum and boom, it was gone. That has happened. That happened to the red wings as well when they had an unbelievable season we've seen it happen to other teams. So I think what's more important than what you do in the regular season is, you know, kind of what happens in those first couple of games when everyone's sort of feeling out how this playoffs is going to go. So as long as Boston goes in and nothing uh, happens uh, in the first uh, couple of games of that to, to plan any doubt, I think they're going to be the same team, but you know, who knows? Uh, we've seen momentum teams before. Go all the way to the Stanley Cup final.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that '94 year when San Jose beat the Red Wings. I think yeah. they, I think they were President's Trophy winning team that year, and uh, and and San Jose was a, a dramatic underdog. But, but Russ, I mean, I, I brought this up before with Boston. You know, we see this battle, this three way battle for the for the for the wild card, and the second wild card is going to play the Bruins, and you know. I mean Pittsburgh we know they have championship pedigree with Crosby and Malkin but the goaltending is questionable. Florida is a pretty good team but you know defensively there's uh there's question marks and in the Islanders uh, I think their goaltending is great and their defense is good but their offense is so you're not going to get a full package in terms of a team playing against Boston but you do have teams that are capable of beating them if everything goes right.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, but you've got a Get past their defense. You've got to hope that marks not right. You gotta hope that you know the Bergeron line isn't hot. Pasternak's not scoring. They're not great on the power play. Like there's a there's five right. they got five or six ways they could really kill you. Right. And to see it all be shut down would be very hard to imagine. Uh I think the only thing that could shut them down would be like the left wing lock because I remember just, you know, going into that series, you looked at the Flyers and you said, okay, everything's rolling for them offensively. Even Hextall was good in net. Everything was going good. And that left wing lock just sucked the life out of them. And that's probably what you have to do to the Bruins.
0: Yeah. Ironically, the team that I think, the team that I think, uh, is likely to miss the playoffs still which is the islanders if they made it would have the best chance to beat the bruins because of sorokin if you have a hot goaltender and you're used to playing tight defensively which they they are and they do because they have to they have a chance against the bruins but and and they have the physicality have a
1: chance if the score is kept low like uh, yeah like
0: the bruins can
1: score shorthanded goals uh i think it's unfair to just dismiss all mark compared to sorokin because right now all marks probably going to win the Vezina. Does he have to prove something in the playoffs? Sure. But I just, I don't think it's fair to just say that yet. And, you know, again, even the Islanders on the puck moving side of their defense is nothing like the Bruins.
0: Nothing. Well, okay. Let me, let me ask this question. Then we'll go to the frozen four here and a couple other things of those three potential matchups for the Bruins, which is the one that is most entertaining or the most the one that you most want to see if it's me uh, I would say it's Pittsburgh simply because it's Crosby and Malkin. And, and all- Me too. Me yeah, too. I would say that too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's best for the league too. Yeah. You want Crosby and Malkin at least to be there around.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Kev, there was a serious injury with Marco Casper. and I, okay. Yeah. Wow. Just. Uh, well,
2: yeah. And it really came out of nowhere. Uh, apparently he played on it in the game. He didn't think much of it. Lower body didn't say what it was. Uh, nobody really saw how, how it happened or anything else. Uh, the coach said he played two and a half. And even in Montreal, he said he woke up and he was kind of sore. When they got him back and they did some testing, the, the injury was a little more serious. Not a long-term thing, um, but he is now shut down for the season. So he got one game. Uh, in that one game, what the Red Wings saw is, is that uh, he's hard to hard to play against, even at uh, – he'll be 19 on Saturday. Um, they're hoping he's got a, more offense to him, but we didn't really see that, obviously. But, you know, he's so young. It's so hard to – uh, to know but um you know I the, the prevailing wisdom is is that you know he'll have some kind of shot similar to what uh um you know the Red Wings have given you know Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond and uh, both of them uh, made the team so who knows I mean he could but he also could end up in Grand Rapids uh, but he's a pretty hard nose center um and uh um they're disappointed that they didn't get to watch them a few games here
1: you know the, the one thing i would mention about this and it depends of the severity of the uh the kneecap but that's a tough injury because that one i've heard other players who have had them and it's affected them for throughout their career even after getting it repaired so you kind of wonder the severity of you know how badly was it broken because that does matter
2: i mean yes well, you, you must know more about that than I do. What is his yeah, in injury?
0: The report came out it was a broken kneecap, that he was out oh. six weeks.
1: Huh. And I think it'll be more than six weeks. Like a broken yeah. kneecap takes a lot of rehab. It
0: does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did that come out today?
0: Uh, yeah. It just, it just came out.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I because I haven't seen that. So,
0: But, you know, that's one of those tricky
1: kind of injuries that I'll see. We'll see when he's rehabbed. Like what his speed is at and stuff, it, it could affect him a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, the, but the optimistic thing here is at the end of the season, it's not like he's going to be rushing back to get back in yeah. the lineup. He, you know, they can they can take it slow and. He's got sure a long offseason ahead of him now. Right, exactly. So that that's, I mean, that, I think that's in a sense that's a good thing. Um, now the Frozen Four, as Russ, you mentioned, uh, the opening well the semifinals tonight, the finals yeah. on Saturday uh first game Quinnipiac and uh Michigan other no, 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 that's the second game Oh no, I mean well that was the first game I wanted to bring up I mean, oh, okay. I sorry I didn't know the order of how really? they are played but yeah yeah Quinnipiac and Michigan and Boston U and Minnesota but let's talk about Quinnipiac and Michigan first well the funny thing is is like Quinnipiac
1: has some really good players in Sam Lipkin and and there's three or four really good players I like they have some seniors Ethan DeHong is a guy that really nobody has mentioned. Who's having a really good year for them as well. Uh, they're definitely teams looking at some of their players, but I think the X factor here is the coach Ryan Pecknell. I have I've covered the ECAC for a lot of years. I've seen him in action. He's got a tremendous winning record. He's built that program from nothing, and Michigan has a rookie coach. And Penn State gave Michigan all they could handle last game. Like I was at that game live, and it was tremendous the way Fantilli scored and tied it. And the way Semelskevich won it, but they, Penn State was right in there and gave them all they could handle. And I'm just thinking, Quinnipiac's going to look at that at, at that tape, and they're going to play it a similar way. And they do have speed, and and they're pretty good defensively. So I wouldn't assume that that's going to be a, a walkover. I actually picked Quinnipiac because I'm just going to do it on the strength of the coach here, because sometimes that does matter in college hockey.
0: And Boston U. and Minnesota. Minnesota is the top-ranked team. Um, you know they. I know that they lost to Michigan in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, but they've been phenomenal all year, loaded with that line: Snuggerud, Cooley, and Matthew Nyes. Nyes and Cooley are both uh, 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 on the final listing for the uh, uh, for the Hobie Baker, along with uh, Fantilli of Michigan. So, uh, what do you expect out of this matchup?
1: I think Minnesota will win. I mean, look, BU's got a good team. Devin Kaplan's done some nice things with them. A Flyers draft pick uh this is a, a year that BU has bounced back so that's nice because the program was a little bit down for a little while after Quinn left um but right now uh it's going to be a good game I I really the way I look at it is you can't put Minnesota on the power play like basically Logan Cooley is probably the second best player Fantilli probably the best right now uh, in this tournament, but Cooley's the second best. And Cooley can kill you in a lot of different ways. And that power play is just deadly. And that's why I said Jackson Nelson, the minute this tournament ends, we'll probably have six or seven teams lined up to try and sign him because he plays the bumper on that power play and Nice is on it. And so you, you put that team on the power play, you're going to lose. And so that's what I think will end up happening.
0: And uh, I know from uh, the the – Toronto perspective. Uh, there, Matthew Nye's. Uh, if they go to the finals, that's on the eighth. Uh, the Leafs will probably sign him immediately after the game or the, or the following day, and he'll probably get into an NHL game. Uh, I wonder if that's going to happen with Cooley. If Cooley's going to turn pro right away, Russ, or if uh, I think he-, he will. I, I,
1: my assumption is he will. I don't know that for sure. Right. I might, you know, just though a- it, it's out there i'm pretty sure fantilly will go back
0: and- yeah i didn't you say he's got a brother who's he's going got into- a brother there
1: he rooms with him so i'm pretty sure he's gearing up for another year yeah. uh, no matter who drafts him and no matter how much they sweet talk him but right. uh, again because that was just one of the things he had told me when i interviewed him is like he had his path figured out and so far everything has worked perfectly so i can't imagine they're going to mess with it now
0: and last thing um well, I, the 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 Tempe situation continues to just decompensate, Russ. I mean, what came, Craig Morgan came out with uh, this morning with, regarding what we've discussed on the show about you know the the airport and how that was going to complicate the, uh, uh, the 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 development in Tempe and the vote. I mean, it just seems to be falling apart. With the, what it's a month before the before the vote, correct? I mean,
1: Coyotes the, the did have a little get together to try and sway public opinion. Um, and I don't know if it's gonna be enough because again, at the end of the day, I don't want a plane flying over my house. And and that's what's going to happen to some people who you know, would be in these, um, and I think they're like townhouses or something. Uh, and so I just, I feel like this is gonna fall flat for them. And I feel like it might even be dead on arrival based on this lawsuit.
0: I mean, Kev, I'm a little desensitized to planes flying over my house because I live a mile from the Buffalo airport <laughs> and the takeoff path is right over my house. So I'm used to it, but yeah. you know, for, for a community like Tempe and Scottsdale, I'm sure, you know, and the property values there, I'm sure they don't want 757s flying over the roof all you know, for all hours of the day. So, I mean, this could be something that kills it, but I, I asked the There's question,
1: I would, I would caution too, I see Shane Doan has done a, um, a video for arizona and and what he has said on the video is together we can turn a hazardous landfill into a permanent home for the coyotes and again the problem with the hazardous landfill is from what i understand of the deal the city has to pick up the cost on that not the coyotes and you don't know what that's going to cost until you start digging around in there and seeing what you have to clean up so i think that's another part of the deal that's a little a little on shaky ground
0: it could be like love canal in the buffalo area where there's dioxin and things of that you know you don't know what's there know. So. but but kev it's like i mean again this is a moving target if the vote fails like from my perspective it's done they should move but they're not they're probably not going to they're going to look for plan x or plan Y. yeah
2: i mean i still think that that the uh... I know for a lot of people, I still think they think the best deal would be somehow working out something with the Suns. But we'll see, um, you know, sooner or later, if it doesn't work out, you know, they're going to have to move. So we'll- yeah, man,
1: this, this lawsuit is more than I thought. It's for two point three billion. Well, the, oh, I'm sorry. The Coyotes filed a counter lawsuit for two point three billion. So that's their that's their response.
0: Maybe wow. maybe then maybe that meeting that uh, Gary Bettman had with the owner. Uh, the owner of the Utah Jazz maybe that's the uh that's the off-ramp you know never know we, there has to be a scenario here where they're just running out of options in Arizona and they have to find a way find a place for this team but who, who knows we don't we don't know we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll right see. now it's a fight
1: and it's just I I, I can't imagine that it's going to be an easy thing to pass when when people see this kind of uh fight escalating so but like Kevin said it's like whack-a-mole they'll end up somewhere yeah
0: Yep. Okay. Great show guys. Um, <clears throat> we are probably not going to do a show tomorrow, so we'll be back on Monday, uh, with another edition of the hockey buzzcast. Uh, happy Easter, happy Passover to everybody for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember without the buzz, it's just hockey.